We're losing! Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Arden Caleb. It's been a great couple of days in Victoria, really sunny. We can't ask for much more. Uh, well, we could ask for a few more Canucks victories. We're three games into the NHL season. Uh, the Canucks are one and two to start the year. A lot has changed in just a week. Uh, my co-host Caleb Kirby is alongside me with right now. Um, three three games. It's only been three games. Uh, is it? Uh, are how upset are you after three games? Uh, I'm a little miffed at some things, I think. Um, probably my biggest... Should I just jump into it? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. This is what we do on this unofficial Canucks podcast. We Fucking just do whatever we want. Eric Branson, man. Make a pass that isn't in a guy's skate, you know? And, it, it, like, watching him on the back end, people talk about Jake Furtanen on this team not having hockey sense. Good Branson's worse. Like, I, I, I just don't understand how he makes some of the plays he does without even remotely thinking it through. There was a play he made last night where Vester's in the neutral zone. He's got two guys on him. Two guys on him. He has the puck on his stick. He could have skated it out himself. He's got Horvat breaking right to the left of him, easily to the left of him. Could have hit a him with just a nice tape-to-tape short pass. Horvat was already had the juice to get going through the neutral zone. And what does he do? Passes it into Besser skates. Two guys on him. Turns the puck over immediately. Are we blaming Eric Gabranson for everything wrong that's happened in this first uh, three games? This mini two-game no. losing streak no, that the Canucks no, are on right no, now. No, no, I'm not. But man, his reads need to get better, especially on the offensive side. A, a big, a big body can only get you so far. And I know he sticks up for his teammates, and you know he's a great interview, and he seems like a good guy. But like his hockey IQ, dude, is lacking. It's lacking. Good guys aren't going to win you anything in professional sports. Um, let's just go over quickly. So Carolina, that's the latest loss. They lost 5-3 in Carolina. That was their worst game of the season, by the way. That was last night. Um, the night before, then the game before was Calgary. That was Saturday night, a 7-4 loss. Of course, they got the win opening night last Wednesday, our last Between the Stammers podcast, a 5-2 win. Um in the three games that you've seen so far, besides Eric Branson being just shitty, um, what have you seen that's been lacking from the Canucks? Um, I, well, I mean, it would be nice if Besser cop- popped a couple, but like he will, and everybody knows he will, and people are saying, oh, he's hurt, oh, he's this. The only thing that I've seen from that I've kind of noticed is just a little bit of speed, like a little bit of jump. And and that's just skating. I don't know if that's because he's he's bigger or whatever, but like I uh I think he'll be fine just down the stretch. Some guys just take a little while to get going. And I'm not worried about Besser, but like these two first soft goals in these games, like that's just so deflating. Markstrom stood on his head in the first game. Like absolutely stood on his head in the first game against the Flames. Second game on Saturday gets scored on first shot and then that goal he let in that first goal he let in on the first shot by Jordan Stahl who was like up at the top of the circle and let an absolute muffin go like I don't know how that gets through an NHL goalie that was a horrible goal that might be one of the worst goals if not the worst goal I've ever seen Markstrom let in yeah I 
outside of that first game, which he stood on his head, it's been uh, his defense not giving him a lot of help. Uh, the Canucks have allowed 17 goals in three games now. Well, Markstrom's been a net for all three. I thought it was interesting that uh, Anders Nielsen didn't come into the game after uh, those early three quick goals against uh, Jacob Markstrom. Were you surprised by that? No, because we all know that Travis Green has no faith in that backup goaltender. He has not. Nobody in Canuckland have faith. No, in nobody has f- has faith in him. And and like I mean, it's kind of a crappy spot to put a backup in for his first, you know, on ice action of the year rather than just starting a game himself. But like, you know, we talk about the defense struggling. The goaltending these last two games, I think, has been worse than the defense. I think the really? defense has been trying offensively the defense needs a lot of help not passing pucks into guys skates and breakouts the breakouts need to get cleaner the breakouts haven't been good enough you know and that that even goes to a guy like edler like skating it out on the power play he's not skating fast enough he made a drop last night that was just like a drop he didn't even look behind him to see if there was a guy there turn the puck over on a power play we're going to get to Alex Edler in a bit because uh, he came up in the NHL news. But I want to go back to Carolina last game. And you had said that this is the worst game they've played this year. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching that game and I was just like, this is at a pace that the Canucks defense cannot keep up with. That's That was the biggest thing that I saw in that game. They were dancing around in their own end. They never looked like they had control at any point. You know, even like it was just like hot potato when they had the puck, too. It was just like this is just a pace that this defense cannot play. And I was uh, texting with a friend during the game, not you, but I w- it was like, is, is, are the Canucks going to be able to outscore their defensive inefficiencies? And that's what I think this season's going to be. That's what this season's going to be about. But it's not just that. It's it's having the confidence and 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 like knowing when to settle the game down yourself, right? And they need like a couple steadfast guys on there. I actually thought Tanev, again, par- probably played the best on the back end. But like you need guys who can only can get possession of the puck, settle it down, and get a clean breakout. They're trying to stretch make long passes out of their zone too too much and they're turning the puck over in the neutral zone constantly and then they start playing chase in their own end mm-hmm. you know and and part of this is on some of the forwards too like uh horvat's line who who he's played with they're not getting in on their forecheck fast enough and the other team is just skating in the puck there's too many turnovers as a whole with this team right now they're not hard on the puck enough no the best line of of the night last night by far by a country mile was Schaller, Granlin, and Beagle on on both sides of the ice. They didn't score, but like they were in for checking hard, getting the puck, creating offensive face-offs, and in their own end, they were defensively responsible and played really well and, and moved the puck through the neutral zone well. You know? I I also I didn't really understand the the line juggling. I, I don't know if that was to try and get a guy like Besser going, but I think you, it was. When you look at you know, Barchi and how he played with Sutter and Vertanen. I thought that line was good. And then once that line got broken up, they were worse. That team was worse. I would say Barchi definitely was a positive from last game. He took his demotion, I guess, from the top line into the to the third line, I guess, with uh, head gusto and was the best one of the best players on the ice last night. Yeah, last Le- Leipzig got stapled to the bench in the second. I was trying to kind of figure that out. I don't know if it was just 
because Kareem didn't like what he was doing with, with Brock and Bo, but it, it didn't really make as much sense to me. I, I thought Barchi, Vertan, and, and Sutter looked good. And, I, like, I, I was kind of just thinking, and I'm like, this could be a thing, you know, moving forward. But so Tim Schaller, yeah, look. Tim Schaller drew in after the loss to Calgary. Other other moves that happened uh, between Calgary and Carolina uh, was on defense. We saw uh, Ben Hutton draw in, and we saw another. Who was the other defenseman that drew in? No, that was it. Was it just yeah, was, it was it just Hutton, Hutton and Schaller Hutton that drew for, in for Del Zotto? Yeah, Del Zotto was out. Schaller for Mont. Uh, yeah, a lot of it raised a lot of eyebrows that a veteran like Michael Del Zotto would uh, be. You know, put to the uh, to the press box so early in the season. Were you surprised by that? Were you happy with that? I was happy with that. I didn't think Delzato really did much, you know, in the first two games. And if I was going to sit any any guy, it would be Delzato because I'd I'd want to see what I had in Hutton. A Puliaz played decently offensively. The reason for keeping Puliaz in there, from what I heard from Travis Green, was he loved the way he played with Erica Branson. Well, I mean, Goodbranson, you play with Goodbranson, if you're looking like a superstar, I don't think that's much of a, a huge feat. But, like, man, that guy, he needs to get better. He needs to get I know what the title. I know what the title of this Between the Stammers is going to be on yeah. Twitter. Uh, well, good. Glad you already got that figured out. Um, yeah, those were the two, the two changes. Mott out as well for Schaller. Uh, are you concerned? Let's get into that right away, though. Uh, Brock Besser, one assist in three games. Are you concerned at all with Brock Besser? I think it's going to come. So, no, I'm not. I just... I didn't like sacrificing a guy like Barchi in Leipzig to try and get a guy like Brock going. I thought Barchi was going on the line he was on, and I, I, I don't think that juggle needed to happen. You know? This power play looked. The power play looked good last night. The power play was converting on their chances. Um, even if Besser is a distraction on that power play, like if people are guarding him and letting other people get cracks at it, there's nothing wrong with that. And we sure. talked about that at the beginning. How a guy like Horvat is going to be able to probably feast a little bit uh, down low on this power play. I, uh, I I I agree. That's that's that was one of the most exciting things going into this year was the fact that they had so many threats on the power play. They have Horvat down low. They have Patterson on the the wing, and they had Besser from the point. Like that's getting it from all three angles. Uh, that should be a source of at least a goal a game, I think. Yeah, and and Besser's he's in the right spots. You know, he's in the soft areas when other guys have the puck it's just people are closing in on him, a l- on him a little harder and he hasn't found that touch yet he he had a chance last night to pop one and he just kind of missed it and it was in tight and like Brock Besser last year when he was in his form he probably would have banged that in I, I also find it quite strange that we're <clears throat> analyzing a guy who you know it's three games into the season yeah that's yeah. what that's what i mean I, I, he'll be fine but i will say that there have been moments like uh, there was one moment in the game yesterday where i was like clear opportunity for him to shoot and he didn't shoot mm-hmm. and i was like that's that's you know that's not brock besser that we don't love um are you buying the fact that maybe he's still injured no no i the only thing that i i looked at yesterday was i noticed sk- his skating he didn't look as fast as he kind of looked towards the end of last season. And I don't know if that's conditioning. I don't know if that's just him being tired at the end of the shift. It was just a, a quick little thing that caught my eye. And I was just like, man, like 
he seemed like he was a little bit faster. Maybe he looks a little heavy on his skates. I think he looks a little hesitant. I, and I don't, I don't think there was any hesitancy last year when he was on his run. Because you got to remember, this guy was leading the NHL in scoring for like two months. Well, and that's you know? the thing, right? Like, all these guys slump. Every great NHL player even slumps. Ovechkin slump. You know, Crosby slump. These guys will slump. We're three games into the season, man. The, the greatest thing about, like, true snipers, true goal scorers, is, like, they find that rhythm and they go. Well, that right? that's, But that also plays into the season. These young kids, we're talking Patterson, we're talking Brock Besser, even Horvat. Like, the pressure is on. They can't have slumps like this or else they're going to get it. They're going to hear about it. You know, it's 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 a, it's a very tough spot to put these young kids in. Yeah, again, though, the offense wasn't the reason why they lost that game. It was the D and the goaltending. Yep. That first goal, that's a gimme. That's two straight games where you're playing immediately from behind. And I think if the Canucks, especially in that Calgary game on Saturday, I think if the Canucks opened the scoring in that game, they probably would have had it. Well, they they had control of that game. I thought for two of the three periods, everything just fell apart in the fourth period. When the third period, rather, they allowed four straight goals. Obviously, you're going to lose a game when you allow four goals in the yeah, third period. But I mean, they were completely in it. And then even in that Carolina game, like Archie just he was playing so well and and converting and and the power play was clicking. But you know, when you let in a soft one right off the hop, and you got to start playing catch up, especially on the road, man. When you go out at east, when a west team goes out east, they lose that time and they get a little, they get a little tired. Their bodies get tired. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but like, well, you're gonna. There's an excuse. There's an excuse put in place right now. I don't know who it is. The hockey gods, the people who put up the NHL schedule, this has got to be the hardest schedule of any team in the NHL this year to start the season. And I, I think maybe it's the hardest schedule that the Canucks have ever had to start a season. So they had the home and home with Calgary. Then you go to Carolina and then you got another. Okay. Let's see here. Tampa tomorrow. You got Tampa tomorrow. Then you are at Florida and then you're at Pittsburgh. Then you're at Winnipeg. Then you're home to Boston, home to Washington, home to the Vegas or at the Vegas Knights. So conceivably they could lose the next six games. They won't. Because they've they've been they've shown enough that they're competitive enough. They're not that bad when it comes to converting, especially on the power play. Power plays look good, you which can, is half of your game these days offensively. They just need to tighten it up, tighten it up on D, and their goaltenders need to give them a chance. I'm and you know what? I'm not gonna say that they're gonna lose, but I if they were to lose to Tampa, lose to Florida, lose to Pittsburgh, lose to Washington, lose to Boston, lose to Washington, lose to Vegas. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get upset by it. It could happen. I. I will. I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? You know whatever what I mean? start Nielsen is gonna be in there for. I. I would probably automatically count that as a loss. Yeah. And that brings me to to, just thinking like, how soon are we gonna get rid of this guy and and potentially give Demko a chance? Like, how long does Demko have to play in in Utica, and be successful before they say, all right, let's. Let's see what he's got. Let's see if he can make that move. Same with a guy like you, Levy. We had this conversation this 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 offseason, though. We're like, Damko's done everything he can in the AHL. Yeah, he didn't show well in camp, though. He wasn't good enough in camp. Well, there you go. But I mean, like... And then the conk happened, the conky happened, and then... But we knew, we knew he wasn't going to make this team based on Nielsen's contract. They got to ship this guy out. 
no one wants the guy. It's it's a terrible contract. Well, I mean, and it, he's a terrible goalie. But like goalie. the thing is, is, is a guy like Gagne got put on waivers. Why why can't you do the same thing with Nilsson? That's what you're gonna have to do. Yeah, that's that's the way it is. And I think it's just another. It'll be another a show uh, that uh, the GM made a bad move, a bad signing. You know what I mean? You got to swallow it. You got to do it. You did it with Gagne. Do it with uh, Anders Nielsen. But these, like, these are tough games. Like at Tampa Bay, at Florida, at Pittsburgh, at Winnipeg. That's a six-game road trip. Six of the first seven games are on the road. Uh, I'd say five more than I'd say five of those games are against playoff caliber teams. Do you throw Nielsen in tomorrow? At Tampa Bay? Do you just you just put him in there and just say this is the one that we're probably going to eat, and then you throw Marky in on Saturday against the Panthers? Because you think that if you play Markstrom, you, there's a good chance you're probably going to lose to Tampa Bay anyway. Yeah, that's that's kind of what my my thought process is. I think, I think, I would put him in against Pittsburgh because that is like halfway through. That's nearing the end. You give Markstrom a bit of a break, and you hopefully finish. You finish the road trip off strong. So you let Marky go in for another two more games. Yeah. I, I, I just, don't know. I, just I don't know if you can do that after after two straight games. He lets goals in on the first shot. Like I just think you have to send a message there, being like, "Look, we're, we're going to play this guy if if this is how you're starting games. Like get get your head into it." Eddie Lack had, had this problem too. Remember when we had and Hitty Lack? Remember when we had Lack and it was just like it was it was like okay they're coming in it's the beginning of the game they're probably gonna score. Why do we have these goalies that just like what's going on? Why aren't they into it? I think I'm not gonna put it all on Eddie Lack and I don't. Remember no, I'm not. It being putting, all, I'm not putting it on on all on Eddie Lack, but but I mean like it was there was a trend with him where he'd. Give up the first goal of the game. The 2013 he, NHL Vancouver Canucks team. He led the league. One of the worst in teams in history. Giving up the first goal. We're talking about the 2013 season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was an article in the Athletic, written by one Jason Botchford, said that was the worst team he has ever covered. That Canucks team. Oh, it was, it was horrific. Yeah. What a year that was. Yeah. And Eddie Lack was part of that, allowing the first goal so to speak. Uh, back to defenseman and Alex Edler. I teased this earlier, but Alex Edler right now is playing 25 minutes a game, over 25 minutes a game. He's playing like 25-42 or something like that. And it's it's the 12th. He's playing the 12th most minutes in kinda, among the NHL among NHL players. Kind of has to though right now, yeah. does he not? Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, again, that's, that's the problem with this team. Would you say it's not sustainable? <laughs> I would say it's not sustainable. Look, um, look he, him and Tanev, they have to munch minutes, yeah. right? Until somebody else steps up to the plate, and that's just that's just the way it is. You got to make a move to bring in somebody. Well, they already they already said they're not going to do it in that way. I I, I don't know, man. Like if I don't, if, if if I am, them, I just don't want to see these young kids have to go back and start every single play in their own end, you know? But that's you you got to learn that way. And 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 honestly, when you have the help of guys like Granlin, Schaller, Beagle, Mott, 
Beagle's been unreal, by the way. Yeah. He's been like not in the, the face off circle. The brightest but spots for this Canucks team so far this season. Not in the face off circle, but well, everywhere he, else he's, he's been pretty good. He's been average in the face off. I circle. think it was like thirty percent or something like that. In last game? Yeah. Yeah, but in Calgary he was up he was decent. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. last game you're you're up against a guy like Jordan Stahl. Yeah. You're up against Carolina. Carolina's got good face off men, right? Mm. They're one of the better face off teams in the NHL. But like the yeah. thing is is that give them that much credit. They're pretty darn good, man. But um, the thing about those guys is they're, they help their D-men in their own end. They come back. You know, they're not cheating at all. Mm-hmm. And and Oh, I noticed that some plays on the boards or some plays, some plays right at the blue line, like they weren't giving the Canucks inch to even bring the puck in over the line. And I was like, man, there is nothing in the Canucks and, you know, that I see that. You know, I don't yeah. see that anywhere. Oh. I, well, to me, that was the only line that that even remotely does it well, you know. Yeah. But like the, I don't know. It's when you try and establish the zone, you got to come in as a unit. All the best teams come in as a unit. This dump dump into the corner stuff. If you're not skating hard enough, you're not going to win. You're not going to beat some of these other teams, especially a team like Carolina or a team that has a goaltender that comes out and plays the puck. That was the thing about Calgary. Like Mike Smith comes out of his net. He plays the puck. You lose that every time. Mm-hmm. And they just continue to repeat it. It's like they're not even thinking before. Well, that's coaching too, that though, play. isn't it? Like, I mean, there was a few moments last game where I was like, this is an offensive zone faceoff. There was a TV timeout. Why aren't you putting out your best scores? And he'd come, um, Travis Green would come out with Beagle. Um, that line, which you said was playing well, uh, yeah. Well, I think was. they deserve to play. Yeah, did, they were the best line. Did they deserve to? Did they? Did some of the snipers though, like Patterson, like Besser? Don't you want to put those guys out there in a scoring position? It was the third period. I noticed it was maybe, you know, maybe five minutes into the first period, into the third period, and I, it was a just a clear moment where I was like, it's probably a good time to put out your uh, your snipers here, but no, in goes the third line. But what know? kind of a message are you sending to those guys if they're not playing well to just reward them with those offensive zone starts? Like, it is going to be... Well, how much are you going to play the, the teaching role and the winning role here, you know? Well, I, I think that's a fine line that Travis Green's going to have to, you know, tiptoe this entire season. Yeah, he is. You're right. He, he's going to have to tiptoe on that line, but like, I mean... If your guys aren't going, you got to do something to try and get them going. And like, I I know I might sound a little hypocritical here because I was talking about how he moved Barchi around and I like Barchi, Sutter and Vertanen together. And when I thought, I thought when he broke those guys up, it, it hurt them offensively. But like, you can't just reward guys like Horvat and, and Besser, you know, for coasting out there. You can't. You can't be like, go ahead. Especially when when you know it's noticeable that your Beagle, Grandland, Schaller line is playing well. You know, they had chances. Dude, Louis rang one off the post again with Louis, Patterson, Goldobin. I thought that line looked – I didn't think they looked as good as they looked the other two games against Calgary, but they looked okay. I'm not going to lie. I don't hate the way Louis Erickson's been playing to start this season. Well, I just kind of wish – Like he's not scoring, but he's not like – He's not being a hindrance out there, he's, at least. He's quietly getting apples out there. I just wish he would hit the net as often as he hits the post. He at least looks like he's trying, though. Like, last yeah. year, he didn't even look yeah. like he was trying. Yeah. At least he looks like he's trying. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of... 
I'm kind of wondering how long he's going to get to ride shotgun with a guy like Pedersen because I'm wondering if, like, if Pedersen's just making him look that much better. And if you were to put a guy on like Vertanen on that line, what would that look like? You know, would Vertanen be playing even better than a guy like Louie on that line? Yeah. We'll see. It's to me, like, that line kind of got held together last night, whereas, you know, uh, Besser, Horvat, Leipzig, all those guys kind of moved around a little bit more. Um, above, among the forwards who got the most ice time, uh, looks like Bo Horvat had just under 19 minutes. Uh, Nikolai Goldobin had 16 minutes. That's quite a few minutes for he played well for Nikolai Goldobin, I'd say. And he's man, he's crafty, eh? Man, Derek Pouliot was out there for 22 minutes. That's too much for a guy like him. Um, Elias Pettersson, 19 minutes. He's he clearly is going to be out there in just about all situations. I think I, li- I like him and him and Goldobin together. They they feed off each other really well. They're fun to watch. Okay, I didn't see Nikolai Gold or I didn't see uh, Elias Pettersson, Elias Pettersson before, but he had the most ice time among uh, forwards for the Vancouver Canucks already as a rookie. <laughs> He's out there the most. <laughs> well. That shows you, though, right? Like, there's going to be ups and downs with this team. They didn't play horrible last night for a period and a half, and then after that, it just kind of felt like the chemistry that that they had built, and I think that's partly because the line combinations got juggled, and, and, you know, getting that second goal scored on them to get that uh, two-goal lead by Carolina, once that happened, it just kind of seemed like the game was over. Guess how much ice time Eric Gabranson had last. I don't want to guess how much time that guy had. Just tell 14 me minutes 14 and 50 minutes. seconds. <laughs> like Ben, like Pouliot had 22 minutes. So I think you're not the only one that noticed he's a little bit of a liability. Well, like I noticed in the third that they put Hutton with Gabranson, and I'm just like, man, like, is this what Hutton's going to get? Like he gets his shot to come up, and this is the shot he gets. He's got a. Drag that guy up and down the ice. You got to take passes in his skates all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, man. Like, um, we talked about how we can fortify this back end, but there is some rumors out there perpetrated by one Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada that uh, uh, Alex Edler would be a guy that could be on the move. His contract is up at the end of this season. There are some teams that would want him, like Tampa Bay inquired on him last year. Um, would you see him as a rental player? He looks like a guy. He looks like like he's always said how much he loves Vancouver. Looks like he could probably sign him to maybe a team friendly contract if he wanted well, to pass you, this year. Are, are you buying any of this? Because I'm not. I'm not buying that he's going anywhere. I'm not buying. I'm not saying he's not buying that he's going I anywhere. I, I either. Just, I'm just I'm just spitballing. I just here. feel like it's Friedman kind of stirring the pot. I'm 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 not buying this for a second. I don't think Edler's going anywhere. I think the Canucks will re up him. I still think he's arguably the best, if not second best, defenseman on the team. That's a problem. It is a bit of a problem, especially yep. when he's he's the guy who's supposedly quarterbacking your power play. Yep. You know? And, and the, if he were to go, the Canucks D would be way worse. I know. like that. But that's how bad this defense is. If they get one injury, Caleb, one injury, everything just falls like one injury to those top guys edler tanev uh even ter- whatever if, if it's an injury to those top guys they're in big trouble but if it's an injury to 
you know, the you know other, Tanev's going to be on the shelf. The at some other point four, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, you know I, he's going to go on even, the shelf. I'm not even going to say that because I you know he is. I dread that happening. He does every year. He does I, every year. Well, he was. He used to be made out. He used to be Gumby back in the day. Death taxes take, and Chris Tanev oh, going down. No, I really hope not. I, I has he like I don't know. I think uh, he hasn't I, had a clean season. I think in the last three seasons. Yeah. But before that, man, he was like he was like Gumby. He could take hits all day, like vicious hits in the corner. And I then think that took its toll right away. I think that like, holy shit, how is this guy, you know, I, skating around? Well, I think that takes its toll yeah, as you get a little bit older, yeah, right? Absolutely, that's what for happens. Sure, for yeah, sure, that's what happens. So, if you're Travis Green, how do you mitigate this disaster on the back end going forward? I man, you just cross your fingers and hope Uelevi plays well down in Unica, and hope Markstrom stops everything you know man I, I i gotta say though like so far for as bad as everybody's been chewing out this d myself included i think the goaltending has been worse i think the goaltending has been worse in situations where they absolutely cannot be worse first shot of the game you gotta fucking stop it you have to yep that that's two games where you know and in two games for the home team like that building as soon as a home team scores like that building gets harder the fucking ice shrinks for the away team like it just becomes more of a pressure cooker mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a tough season like we like i don't want to say we're gonna be up and down this season because i think they're like this this to start this season if they can come out of this stretch with even like head even close to their heads above water it's gonna be a win you know that. So what are you calling here on this stretch? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe two wins. So what do we what maybe. do we have? We have we you said we have Calgary, right? We had Calgary, we have Carolina, we got Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay Florida, Florida, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Washington, Washington, and Vegas. Well, Vegas, Boston, you said they Vegas. Pl- they play Vegas. Sorry, they come home, they return to play boston okay so let's just say this road trip here that's what how many games six six games yes it ends next wednesday in winnipeg so they're they're already dropped two yeah right yeah how many how many games do you think they're gonna win you think they'll win one or two i'd say they win one more on this road trip just one more one more and I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's either Florida or Pittsburgh. That's I, what I'm really hoping. I'm I really think they're hoping. good enough to win two. I think Florida's kind of reeling too with the loss of Luongo. That yeah, hurts them. That could be the game that they win. And that's well, like that's what I was saying about yeah. starting Markstrom, right? Yeah. I think you got to put Nilly in tomorrow. You have to put you have to put Markstrom in that game against Florida. You have to. And it's nice because I mean, hey, at least we're playing Pittsburgh, and that's where Brock feasts. Hopefully, Brock will feast again. But how mean is that? Return home for two games, and they're against Boston and Washington. Oh, that's brutal. It's and then you easy. have to then you have to go out to play Vegas. It's not yeah. easy, that's for sure. Man, that's brutal. But it'll give you it'll give you a really good idea of how resilient this team can be moving forward. You know, remember the last year when the Canucks kind of came out of the gate hot, and everybody was, you know, super excited and 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 stoked. I think this team this year is a better team than last year. And even if they stumble out of the gate a little bit, I think at the end of the season they'll probably finish with more points. I don't know. What happened last year? Two huge things happened last yeah, year. Injuries? Yeah. Yeah. No, two the two huge injuries. Yeah. Tanev, Horvat. Yeah. Down for a long time. So that was pretty much the end right there. That was the end of the yeah. season. 
Well, and then so yeah, Edler and Louis got hurt too. Um, yes, and Louis Erickson got hurt, but that was that was addition by subtraction last year. Well, he was on a decent little streak there for <laughs> a bit, he? but yeah, Scoring I don't know. Like that—that's the thing, though, right? Like one of the reasons I bring that up is is depth, because I think even this year, if you lose a couple guys, obviously not a guy like Horvat, we don't have anybody to replace him, but. If you lose some of these like bottom six guys, you have other guys in there who who are willing to step up. And I like the bottom six this year. I think, obviously, you know I like it because I keep talking about it. But uh, I think it's much, much better. Um, I mean, it's only been three games. I don't know how much more overanalyzing we can do here after three games. Like, we need to see more. Let's not jump off a cliff just yet. You're still hanging on by that very thin thread. I'm fi- I'm fine. I, I I just get frustrated. I did that about you. I get frustrated when I see Jared McGuire. Nobody. I get frustrated when I see vets who can't get it done more so than than young guys who are capitalizing a little bit more on their ice time. I get frustrated when I see a guy like Good Branson who has really not done much. I mean, I I think we know who Eric Branson is. Everybody should know who Eric Branson is. Yeah. Like, you know? let's stop talking about what happens when he's healthy and he's comfortable and he can be a big... We know what he can do. His hockey IQ is just isn't there. I mean, I saw, I saw a gif of him just passing pucks into sticks and, you know, icing the puck when he was trying to make breakout passes. And it was just like there were... It, it was a string of like six instances in one gif, all from yesterday's game. Yeah, I mean, the Canucks just like... They better pray guys like Thatcher and, and you, Levy, start off hot. And that they can make those call-ups because I would like to see both. I would love to see both those guys up here at some point fighting for a spot and not having, not having to get sent back down. I would love to see that, man. That would like that to me more so than points and everything is a successful year for the Canucks. I'd say Mm -hmm. those two guys specifically. Mm -hmm. I can't disagree. All right. Well, um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't want to talk anymore about those three games. Like, we can overanalyze yeah. this no, all we no, want. No, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. That's it. That's fine. Um, I wanted to bring in and have you comment on a few comments made by former uh, president and GM, Mike Gillis, who had his first interview since leaving the Vancouver Canucks, leaving the NHL, I guess, uh, back in, I guess, was 2013, I guess. Was that the year that he got fired? It was the it was the torts after, after the first year of, mm-hmm. of uh, John Tortorella. Um, he he had some interesting comments saying that um, first off that bringing in Tortorella was not his call whatsoever. Does I that think, surprise you? I think everybody already Does that surprise knows you? that. Yeah, you know, like he he thought it was the wrong move from the outset, and he said when he said when that happened, he knew he had to go. You know what? You know, right? Well, he had. To, he was I, like, "I'm." He's like, his exact quote was, "I was part of the problem at that point." Yeah, of course he was part of the yeah. problem, and and the reason why a guy like Vignol loses his job is because a guy like Gillis wants to keep his. Am I wrong? Who goes first? Yeah, the coach. That was one of those things. It was just like it Ooh. had to happen. I remember when 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 the when the in Elaine Vignol firing happened. It was like, okay, here's the. Here's the most successful coach in NH in Canucks history, but it's time for him to go. You remember that? It but was the, just the like reason, everybody was okay with it because it was time for him to go. But the reason why is because the GM always usually gets to make that call 
before they get the punt. Uh-huh. Right? And a head had to roll. And in hindsight, whose head would you have rather seen rolled at that point? Gillis's or Vignon's? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to also mention some other interesting things he said. Going back to the 2011 run, our favorite topic of discussion. Yeah. Here and uh, he made an inter- interesting comment about the national media during the 2011 run and how he wished he had handled it better because he he thought personally he said, and I'm just trying to get this exact quote that he had. It was somewhere along the lines of he thought that the Canucks were treated very, very unfairly by the na- by the national media. There was a lot of people in the Canadian media that didn't think the Canucks deserved to be there, trash talking them, and didn't want them to win the Stanley Cup. And he he thought that he wished he didn't put so much energy into defending his players. He wished he had just let it roll off his back. Do you remember that time and what it was like? Reading I, the national media. I, I don't know, man. I, I always thought Gillis came across as a bit of a jerk, like during his tenure to the media as a whole. I've always said that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when you kind of act that way, whether you're cognizant or not, people want to see you fall. People want to see you fall and people want to see who you stand for or, or who you're running do the same thing. And that was his media, like how he dealt with the media was never his strong suit. And how he dealt with the media is a big reason of why a guy like Benning comes in and he's pretty much the polar opposite. You know, Gillis was very kind of curt. He wasn't scared to speak his mind, but sometimes it would get him in trouble. Whereas Benning, Benning's very open and honest. And sometimes it makes him look like a, like a bit of a boob, you know, I guess you could say. But I mean, if 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 it was up to me and I had the choice between picking those two guys to deal with the media, I think I'd pick Manning any day of the week. Yeah. For that specific thing, you know. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of the way Benning uses the media. I think uh, it's a tool. You have to be a little more savvy than Benning well, yeah, is. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't like not, it either. He's not. He's not the best at it for sure. But I think that's. But he's learned. He's learned as he's gone along. To become a little more savvy. At the beginning, he was horrible. I mean, he got in trouble for tampering, right? How bad is that? That's ridiculous. Yeah. But one thing you can always respect about him is, for what he said, he has mostly followed through. Yeah. Um, another interesting uh, point he made out. He said one of the biggest turning points he thought um, was when the when Manny Malhotra went down. Yeah, I mean, I could agree with that. He said that Maholtra was such a huge part of that team, and when he went down, that was that was one of the biggest turning points. He thought. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you got a guy like Maholtra, I think Maholtra, and uh, I think you can draw comparisons. I mean, we're not there yet, obviously, but like Beagle is the new guy who is supposed to be your Manny on this team, and that's the guy who leads your grinding bottom six. You know, and a guy like Mulholtra, when he goes down and you lose those offensive zone faceoffs and you're chasing the game, it's horrible. Yeah. Watching a team chase the game is the worst. And that, like, the Canucks did that against Carolina last night. Sure and it's it was. so easy to notice. Well, they've been doing that for the better part of the last three years. So uh, here's the exact quote that, I, that he had uh, on the cup final run. We had tremendous pressure. The Canadian media pressure in itself was almost unbearable. And did not want us to win. 
I didn't deal with it properly. If I got the chance, I would do it very differently. We took things personally, and that shouldn't have happened. Do you remember the media being negative Canucks during that I, run? During I, that run, I, I do, but I think a lot of it is on him, and he knows that, and that's why, and that's why he made that comment. Right? But I do remember guys like Damian. Uh, what's his name there? Damian uh, Cox. Damian Cox there going out of his way to bash Ryan Kessler. And he barely watched Kessler for three games that entire season. Kessler's, you know what an, I mean? Kessler was such an easy target though, right? Because he was cocky. He was an American. Mm-hmm. He showcased what he could do for Team America in the 2010 Olympics, right? Yeah. Like he was such an easy guy to go after. Mm-hmm. And you can't, like, if you're a guy like Gillis, like, you can't take that stuff personally. I, I always laughed that it seemed like the Canucks media would, like, jump to bat to, to, uh, to defend the players from, from, like, national media. And it's like, you guys aren't allowed to criticize our team, but we are. You know, yeah, I see that a bit, and I saw that a lot in 2011. But that's always the case. That's not just a Canuck case. That's a case with every single team out there. Yeah, and it's true because the national guys—they're not the guys covering the 82 games. The the local media is, and the local media usually has a better temperature of what's going on in the city than the national media. Yeah. It's just it's just that case, and it's not like they don't talk to each other, and it's not like these circles of people aren't friends. And there's not spillover there and everything. But, like, how many times have you watched a a national broadcast and been like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about? Oh, yeah. 100%. And, I mean, it's their job to come in and step in and be like, I know how this team is, even though you know he doesn't know, right? You're supposed to just feel comfortable. You're supposed to – it's supposed to be a seamless transition. Well, I mean – It's a very difficult job. Very difficult. We've both covered hockey games. Yeah. You know, we've both seen the stat packs we get before we even walk into a game. And that's for for a step below. The stat packs they get in the NHL, they're like books, man. Mm -hmm. And that's how these guys rattle off these statistics and sound like they know what they're talking about with these national broadcasts. Yeah. But it's not all in the stats, right? Um, Another interesting comment uh, Gillis made was regarding the captaincy in Luongo, Roberto Luongo. That was the dumbest move. Uh, His comment was, let me just get this here. Uh, You have to remember, oh wait, no, that's not it. That's a publicity stunt. Uh, He said that, um, yes, we named Luongo the captain and it was met with criticism. And I, it, in, in hindsight, it was the wrong move. But at the time, we had to do something to show the Wongo how much he meant to the team. No. That's, that's crazy, that's right? The, Is that, that not crazy? That's the, that's the agent talking. Isn't that's, that not crazy, That's Mike though? Gillis, the agent talking. That's Mike That guy, that guy is the guy who handed out no trade clauses like Oprah hands out cars. Mm-hmm. That is the exact same guy. You do not need to do that. You have no reason to. That's the guy who rewarded Burroughs with that contract after he was already kind of past his prime date. Gillis did a lot of those things and like, okay, that's honorable, I guess, but it's hurt the team for so many years down the line. I, I mean, that, but to me, that's also on Roberto Luongo. Why does this guy need to have his ego stroked like well, that? Well, everybody knows you know? Luongo needed to have his ego right? stroked. That's not that's that's nothing new. That's not that that's not new information. Also on Cody Hodgson, 
Hodgson. Remember him? He used yeah, to he play in the, the NHL. He was the one draft pick that everybody was excited that Gillis made and thought it was going to turn out. Um, he said, as a GM of a team, I think people have this wrong. It's really only the first pick that I have a lot of influence on. People have this idea that you're drafting, but you're not. Your scouts are drafting. You weigh in on the first pick, particularly if it's a top 10 pick. I weighed in on the Hodgson pick. I thought Cody was a really excellent pick. He was excellent in the World Juniors, but something changed. And that's not often the case. He went through a few agents, and there were other influences on him that were not there when dad. we selected him. It was his dad. And on the trade for Hodgson, we wanted uh, a, someone with a profile of a bigger, stronger, faster player. We chose Zach. We knew there were issues, but people, people knew there were issues with our player. It didn't work out. Zach's still in the league. Cody isn't. Well, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that trade's pretty much a wash, but Zach, well, Zach is the guy who's... Zach's still on. in the league. And you know Zach's what? Still Full credit league. to Cassian, man. Yeah. Especially with hap- with what happened, you know, when he went to Montreal and stuff. Like, that could have put a player down completely. And he bounced back and he's still in the league. That's full marks to a guy like Zach Cassian for screwing his head on straight and, and you know, committing to what it takes to be a pro. Like, that's that's awesome. But, again, when you're – you're talking about Gillis. I, I don't like how he says that he doesn't have much influence beyond the first pick and it's all his scouts. He should know. He should know in there what the plan is for, you know, at least the first four or five rounds. He should be more involved in that. I guarantee, well, I, 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 guarantee, I guarantee you he has like positional whatever, but he doesn't have like final say on, on – he has final say, but he doesn't have like, okay, I'd rather have this player than that player. I guarantee you a guy like Benning has a lot more of an idea and a lot more say on all that stuff that happens. Benning goes on scouting trips during the season. Well, doesn't Benning have that uh, that one scout that does like all the work? Yeah. That's, that's what I was watching. Well, bra- Brackets, yeah. Brackets awesome. Yeah, I was watching you know? that uh, draft special. But oh it, they, uh, they all work together. And I mean, like that's one thing you can say about this team is the drafting is – vastly improved um he also gillis also made comments on the luongo contract you have to remember our mandate was to win the cup it wasn't to build for 2022 it was to win a cup and to do everything possible to do it roberto was at that point in his career where the contract made sense unfortunately there was a lockout and rules changed I disagree with that too. And I mean, he wasn't the first guy that, uh, that made a contract like that, right? Like you go back to Rick DiPietro on the Islanders, you look at the Kovalchuk contract with the, with the devils. And when has any of these contracts ever worked out? Handing out no trade contracts. His comment was again, our mandate was to win. Lawrence and I have probably done more player contracts than anyone on the market. We were trying to win. So you do things. The number of no trade clauses we had were right around the middle of the league. The only two no trade, no movement clauses that we gave out were to Daniel and Henrik. Because there's a difference between no trade clauses and no movement clauses. Yeah. My, my my biggest issue with this, though, is um, when you look back on it, you know, I've said it before, even in, in this kind of Q&A part here, is Gillis the agent versus Gillis the general manager. You know, he probably could have got away with not handing out those no trade clauses like they were candy. He could have probably got, got away with not giving Burroughs as much as he did term-wise and money-wise going down the line. But he's he's trying to build a culture by rewarding these players for what they're doing 
But at the end of the day, when you look towards the future, you can't do that. You you have to look at the year. You have to look at the year ahead, not look at, oh, this is what they've done in the past and this is why I'm going to reward them. It's a it's a it's a it's a weighted thing, but I think the fact that he was an agent beforehand really made this harder on him to try and figure out how to do it properly because at the end of the day it it hurt this team um i think it was also just an inability to realize when it was over when it was time to move on oh absolutely like i that's that's a massive part of it and i think everybody knew you know when the canucks got swept in 2012 by the kings that it was over he was asked the question as well, if Daniel Sedin had been in that series, do you think it would have been different? I don't think so. I don't think so either. They were, they were tired, man. They were, they were just... And Jonathan Quick was the best goalie in the world. Yeah. Right? They were tired. They were beat up. It was just... There's not much you can do there. Yeah. That was the moment when everything should have gotten blown up. But yeah. It 100%. just did, it didn't happen, right? Every, every Canuck fan worth their salt knows that. Yeah. And uh, you know what question I really would have liked to ask Mike Gillis? What? What happened, Corey Schneider, Roberto Luongo? Like, what happened there? How did it go down the way it went down? Because there's something that hasn't been told. You know, there I, I've heard a lot of rumors. There are some rumors out there about yeah, why absolutely. Corey Schneider was traded. Like, what happened there, right? Yeah. So I that's that's one of the untold stories Dude, that I think needs to be told. You, like, do you remember when they brought Luongo here in the first place? They rolled out, like, the red carpet. I've never seen him roll out a red carpet for a player more in Canucks history than when they got Luongo. He was a god, man. Well, that first season, he played like a god, but too. But he was... Remember when they yeah. brought him in? Like, yeah. they were just like... I do remember him playing like a god that first year, too. Right? But at the so same, that added well, to it. at the same time, though, like, it was just... That insane. set the tone. That set the it tone. But that also set the tone for his, for the rest of his tenure in Vancouver. I think. Getting you know what I mean? Captaincies. You know what and I mean? Stuff like yeah. That. I yeah. It's just. It and was whether too you, much. but whether you agree with it or not, the fact that yes, he was treated like a god when he came in, then he played like a god that first year, and it was just like this is his team. He can do whatever that's, he wants. That's right? to the folly of a guy like Gillis and his and his way of agent thinking. Hey, man, if Gillis was a good GM, well, Nonus made he, the trade for he him. He would right? have a yeah. Nonus he, made the trade know, for him, but he would have another job in, the, in this league right now, and mm-hmm. he doesn't. And I think that's because people know. People look at. I also his, think he was just really surly with everybody else, not just in the media, but in you know across the league. That was another reason why he probably doesn't yeah, have a job. Part of part yeah. of it for sure. His yeah. track record though, like speaks for itself. Like with how that this team got handcuffed for as long as they did, they had nobody to supplement um, the vets when the vets started exiting. They had but, nobody. But you also nobody have, in the system. But I do agree with the fact that he went for broke. To win the Stanley Cup there in those did, in he, those so many years, and right. I'm and I'm not upset about that. He did go for broke, but he yeah. gave away too much when he he went for broke. Uh, ex- name an instance. Well, like a guy like Derek Roy, right? Yeah. You you look at a guy like Derek Roy. You look at a guy like Mikhail Samuelson. Like these guys, they were giving up too much to try and get these guys. Well, they were giving for, up second round and third round Im- picks. Yeah, and for the yeah. impact that these guys made, yeah. it wasn't enough. But you can look at that in hindsight. You know, maybe those were the moves that could have won them. It, right it's it's one of those things it's yeah, like i our, hated the eric the, weinrich the, the i hated the keith right? carney moves i yeah. hated those moves yeah. but when those moves were made i was like yes here we go but here we go here, here's the problem you know? though like yeah we but do. we're talking in hindsight i know though. well we do have hindsight yeah and they didn't win in but in the moment you can understand doing it 
You know, a second round pick isn't going to win you the Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, I guess. So I, I, I get it. And, uh, but I understand how it didn't work, but I also get it. It's like, it's like, um, when you're playing, you know, you're playing whatever, like dynasty mode in NHL 06. And you're oh, like, geez. I'm going to trade this first round draft pick because I want Ovechkin. I want to win this thing, oh, you know? Geez. So I, I get it. I get that. I, it sucks that it didn't work out. So yeah, it's that's not, it's not just that though. It's the contracts on top of that. There had to be some, there had to be some red flags moving forward being like, look what we've done here. Look at the term. Look at the fact that we can't move these players out. Well, he said Look that, what we don't have in the system. Well, there was probably plans for that as well. I mean, he said that they had plans, contingency plans. But he also said that, that he, he knew that he was on his way out. He knew it was toxic. So what kind of a plan do you have when you know, personally, after you fire your coach, that you're gone? Yeah. I... Listen, I, I and I think it happens to ver it happens to a lot of teams, a lot of teams, yeah, not just the Canucks, look, not just look, Mike Gillis. Look, look, there. Look, the thing about the Canucks is the Canucks were at least on the on the front end of this bell curve, right? Because a lot of teams are going through it now. Mm-hmm. The Canucks were one of the, kind of the first teams to go through all this stuff with with salary cap and locking up these trades and everything else. They were like the the original team to kind of get in this trouble. And there's going to be other teams that are going to fall off and have this exact same problem in the next few years. Yeah. Um, all right. I just wanted to just speak candidly because that's be, the first time Mike Gillis had spoken since being fired. Or they could Vancouver be like a Chicago Blackhawks or a Philadelphia Flyers and just bury this money somehow on the LTIR. Yeah, which I don't, blows my mind yeah. how teams like that can get away with it. Yeah, there's some funny business going on there, I think. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention about uh, Mike Gillis because, like it or not, he was uh, he was here for the most successful stretch of hockey in Canuck history. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he also got keys to a pretty good machine. Sure. Sure. Right? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta massage it one way or the other. Um, it was nice, li- kind of listening and talking nostalgically about those times when we didn't get, we didn't have to worry about you know erica branson logging 20 <laughs> minutes yeah you know it was it was kind of nice talking about christian Erhoff coming in and stuff oh like man that. he was so good when he was a he, canuck he was really good and you yeah. can thank danny heatley actually for the reason that christian Erhoff came in because the sharks made a huge move to get danny heatley and they couldn't afford christian Erhoff. they had to they had to throw players good players away to have Danny Heatley on the roster and Christian Erhoff was one of those guys thrown away and the Canucks got him for nothing. Erhoff and Edler together were yeah. so fun to watch. Yeah. They were really, really good. Yeah. Those guys, that was the prime of their careers, yeah. those two guys. Um, and Sammy Sallow, who was well, yeah. just a rocket. The Finnish McKinnis. Yeah. Right? He when was, he wasn't hurt, he yeah. was so fun. Yeah. That was the best power play. There was a stretch to what, three or four years yeah. there where the Canucks had the best power play in yeah. the NHL. Yeah, like you but did not, you did, you couldn't, you didn't want to take penalties. That's that's, team. that's one of the things to look forward to this year, man. It really is. That power play is going to continue to improve. Well, let's hope it uh, can outscore its uh, team defensive problems. Uh, that's between the Stammers. Uh, Kirby, where can we find you? At Curbman twenty three. You can find Twitter. me. Yeah, on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as well at Art Aronson, and you can also find us. Uh, you can put in some submissions on email if you have any questions. Uh, Kirby, what's the email address? Between the stammers at gmail.com. Sweet. Thanks for tuning in.